Welcome to Master Your Relationship Mind Drama. Teaching you how to manage your mind so that you can create relationships you love. And now, here's your host, certified relationship coach and expert in all things love, friendship and mind drama, Rebecca Orr. Hi guys, how's everyone doing today? I am feeling great this week. We had a really great session in my group coaching program, which is my 12-week group coaching program called Master Your Relationship Mind Drama. And we were talking all about how to handle scary what-if thoughts and uncertainty in relationships, which is something that so many of us struggle with. And really just looking at facing that worst case scenario and coaching yourself to know that you can be okay, whatever happens, is just so freeing and empowering. So that was a really great session this week. And I've also celebrated three years alcohol-free this week, which is amazing. And it felt strange even celebrating it. I'd actually totally forgotten that it was the anniversary of it until my fiance gave me a card. And I think that's because it's just such a normal part of my life now not drinking that is, that I just, it didn't even register that that's what was coming up. So maybe I should do a podcast episode on what I've learned, my journey with that, because it really does tie into a lot of my work on facing my anxiety and my negative thoughts about myself. So yeah, I might mull that idea over and I might come back to you with that podcast episode. (laughs) But anyway, it's been a great week and I'm moving house this evening and over the weekend. So I have a very busy weekend ahead of me. So wish me luck. (laughs) I hope your weekends are a lot less stressful than mine probably will be. But anyway, on to today's episode, which is a very hot topic and one that a lot of people will really relate to. And that's why avoidant people trigger us. (laughs) So this is a topic that's really close to my heart because like many of you, I realized years ago that, that I had an anxious attachment style And I would often be very triggered and anxious in my relationships with people who were maybe more avoidant than me. I felt a lot calmer and safer in my relationships with people who were more like me and who also were a little bit anxious. And I think it's really easy in these situations to want to blame other people. The world of Instagram is filled with posts that demonize avoidant people and blame them for how we feel. And it's incredibly disempowering. And the first thing I want to say is avoidant, secure, anxious, they're all just terms to describe a certain pattern of thinking and behavior. Okay, so there's no diagnosis. It's not a cookie cutter thing where you're one of the three and you're that way for life. They're just terms to describe certain thought patterns. So if you are someone who has a lot of anxious thought patterns in your relationships, you likely identify with the anxious attachment style. Or if you notice you're having certain thought patterns that lead you to want to avoid or withdraw in your romantic relationships, you may identify with the avoiding attachment style. And the more we all work on our thought patterns, the more we can all begin to identify with secure attachment. So remember, it's not fixed or set and every unique human will have unique thought patterns that can't always fit nicely into a box or a label. We're also going to cover in this episode how sometimes certain people aren't a fit for what we're looking for. We may want a partner who's more communicative or open or who wants more of a commitment and that's okay too. So keep listening to towards the end and we'll dive more into that. I also want to say that we need to have so much compassion for ourselves and our brains as we do this work. 
Our attachment styles stem from our childhood. And so the reason they feel so intense and consuming is because these are painful thought patterns that you've likely been having and repeating your entire life. So being really compassionate to yourself as you get curious about what's happening in your brain is really, really important here. And for the sake of this episode, when I talk about avoidant people, what I'm really talking about is when someone isn't behaving in the way you'd like. Maybe they're withdrawing, not communicating, or maybe they want more space than you'd really like them to be taking. Maybe it's your partner who goes quiet when they're in a bad mood, or a friend who's not very good at texting back. Whatever it is, whether this person actually has an avoidant attachment style or not isn't really the problem. And I don't want you to even spend any time trying to work that out because that really doesn't matter. The problem is that your brain has decided that you can't feel secure, calm, and at peace without them behaving in the way you'd like them to. And I'm going to say that again because it's really important. The real problem is that your brain has decided that you can't feel secure, calm, and at peace without them behaving in the way you'd like them to. And you keep telling yourself they and their behavior are the cause of your anxiety. And like I said, this is incredibly disempowering because if this were true, we'd all be fucked. (laughs) We'd be doomed to be trying to change people and make them behave differently in order for us to feel better, which as you've probably worked out from your efforts so far, doesn't tend to work and is incredibly frustrating. But luckily it isn't true. Calmness, security, peace, confidence, these emotions don't come from someone else messaging us or communicating or behaving the ways we'd prefer them to. They come from our brains and the thoughts we think. And yes, your particular brain with its past memories and childhood experiences may find it a lot easier to have certain thoughts that create security and calmness when people are communicating and texting and doing what you'd like them to do. And that's okay, that's totally normal, makes sense. But it doesn't mean that security and calmness is unavailable to you until they do that. It just means you're going to have to do the work on your thoughts to create that more intentionally, which is what thought work is all about. So for a lot of my clients, when they believe they need someone to change, as in text them more, stop withdrawing when they're sad or meet up with them more often, whatever it is, when they believe they need them to change in order to feel better, like I said, they feel incredibly frustrated, which I'm sure you can relate to because it is the most frustrating thing in the world when we believe that something should be different to how it is and we can't change it. So a huge part of this work is accepting the unique human for exactly who they are. They exist and this is how they act. This is how they choose to use their free will to show up in the world. And getting frustrated about how they act and discussing with your friends how they should be different isn't actually serving you because it's just arguing with reality. You're arguing with what is, which is always going to create so much suffering. And really a better question to ask is, why should they be different? Why do I need this person to be different? And the answer will always be because you believe that how they're currently acting is what's creating your emotional experience. So then it makes sense that in order to feel better, you need them to change. They should be different. Which, my friend, is not true. (laughs) Because as you'll all know, if you've listened to a few of my podcast episodes, what actually creates your emotional experience is always your own thoughts. Sentences in your brain. You see them behaving in a certain way. You have thoughts about it, whether they're conscious thoughts or subconscious thoughts. 
Those thoughts then create your emotions, like anxiety. Them not texting you back, withdrawing, not communicating their feelings, or whatever else they may or may not be doing, does not create your anxiety. And the more you keep telling yourself it does, the further away from security you're getting. What does create your anxiety and your insecurity is your thoughts about what their behavior means about you. So it's important to get curious about what happens in your brain when they behave in certain ways. So let's say your partner or friend hasn't texted you back for a certain amount of time. Maybe it's even after a disagreement, you've had an argument and they've stopped replying or they haven't texted you back. And maybe they're at work and they've not replied for a few hours. That's a circumstance, as in it's a fact that they haven't texted you for X amount of time. What creates your anxiety in this moment is what's happening inside your brain. So notice what that is. What does it mean if they've not replied? Why is this a problem? What does your brain make it mean about them, the relationship, or more importantly, you? Perhaps you make them not replying mean you've done something wrong, or that you're a bad partner or a bad friend, or that they're going to break up with you which would then mean that you're not good enough and you were a bad partner or a bad friend, like whatever. Like we want to follow that thought down. That would still mean something about you, maybe that you weren't enough. These thoughts are the source of your pain, not their behavior. And again, you want to have so much compassion for your brain as you work through these thought patterns because it may be you had a parent who was hot and cold and your brain as a child made that mean that you'd done something wrong and were to blame. So now your brain has just repeated that pattern over and over and it's the same shame response that you then see as an adult when your partner withdraws. It may be your brain believes if someone were to break up with you, it would mean that you're not lovable. So now when your partner is upset and withdraws affection, your anxiety is triggered because your brain is scared it's going to result in you being broken up with, which would prove to you that you're unlovable. So you want to be really compassionate, like I said, and and curiously pull back the layers on each of these situations, starting by getting clear on the facts. For example, my partner hasn't texted me back for X number of hours. Then ask yourself, so what? Why is that a problem? And then whatever the answer is, ask it again. Okay, so what then? Why is that a problem? You may need to do this a few times, but you'll lead yourself to the kind of root fear, which is always what you'd make their rejection or potential rejection, perceived rejection, mean about you or your lovability or something shameful about you. We make them not wanting to talk mean we're bad or not good enough. Or we make them not wanting to hang out mean that we're not likable. We make the idea that they could break up with us mean that there's something wrong with us and that we'll never find anyone else. These are the thoughts that need challenging. But before we can do that, I also want to say, if your nervous system is very activated, as in you feel very anxious and you're in fight or flight mode, you will want to do some processing of that emotion before you can even begin to look at the thoughts creating it. It's very, very hard to objectively challenge our thinking when our primitive brains are freaking out because that's what's happened here. Your primitive brain thinks that something is a threat to you, that their silence or their withdrawal is a threat to you in some way, and so it sounded the alarm. And when you think about where these thought patterns stemmed from, as in your childhood, 
It makes sense. As a child, your survival was dependent on your parents. So them withdrawing or being mad at you or leaving you was something that to your primitive brain was a survival risk. So it makes sense that now as an adult, your primitive brain is again thinking in the same way and creating the same stress response in your body and sounding that same nervous system alarm. So I have a whole episode on how to handle your anxiety, which teaches you how to process the sensations of these emotions and calm your nervous system down when you're activated. I think it's episode five. And I also have a free meditation that talks you through the process kind of in live time with me guiding you. So that will also be useful. I'll I'll drop the link to that in the episode show notes. I also find that in these moments when my nervous system is really activated, talking to my brain in a soothing way that directly reminds it that I'm safe really helps. So repeating thoughts like, I am safe, or this is not a threat to my survival. That helps to ease that stress response and bring my nervous system back to normal so that I can then go and do some more thought work on the thoughts that I was having about that situation. So see what works for you. Try those thoughts on, but you may find phrasing it slightly differently may resonate with your brain better. That's okay, whatever works. But really speaking to that primitive part of the brain that thinks you're in immediate danger is important because as we know, you are not. Your partner not replying or even not wanting to be with you anymore, if that worst case scenario was true, isn't a threat to your survival. You won't die from it. So reminding your primitive brain of that is really, really key here. So once you've calmed your nervous system down, then get really clear, as I said, on the facts of the situation. What exactly has or hasn't happened? And then asking yourself, what am I making this mean, is step one. Then you want to question those thoughts. Why am I making it mean that? Is that really true? What else could be true here? What might be true here that my brain hasn't considered? Are you making their silence mean they don't like you? What else could be true? What might be going on for them that you haven't considered? I often do this with clients in our sessions. So you may have heard me talk about a tool I use called the model. So it's a tool that shows how there's a circumstance, as in the facts of the situation. Then we have our thoughts about those facts and those thoughts create the way we feel and then the way we feel drives the way we act. So sometimes I get my clients to imagine what their partner's models are. So imagining what the facts are that their partners are dealing with and then considering what might be going on in their brain, their thoughts that will be creating the way they feel and driving the way that they're currently acting. Because often we assume someone's behavior is a reflection of us. We make them not replying mean that they must be thinking terrible thoughts about us. But is that really likely? Is it likely that your partner is sat there thinking, I don't care about them at all, so I'm just going to leave them on red? Or could something else be going on here? What else could be going on in their brain? Is their thought more likely to be, I'm so busy at work, I'll text back later? Or... I just need space right now. We can talk through this later when we're face to face. Or that they are mad at you, but they have no intention of ending the relationship. They're just having some thoughts about you that are creating negative emotion. They still want to be with you. Like We can really imagine what else could be going on in their experience right now that actually isn't a reflection of you. 
I had a client once tell me that their partner had explicitly told her that he didn't like texting and preferred to talk in person, especially when he was feeling stressed or a little bit down in himself, then he'd be even worse on his phone. So he told her that. (laughs) And yet she continuously made it mean something about her when he didn't reply. That if she were different or if he liked her a little bit more, then he'd be texting her. It's so crazy how our brains do this. And often it's because of these beliefs from childhood that we're not lovable or good enough in some way. And so our brains are so committed to finding evidence of that. So it interprets all of our partner's behaviours through that lens. And regardless of what their thought is, even if they're mad at you, it still actually means nothing about you. It's still a reflection of their brain, what's going on in their brain and their thoughts, creating their emotions. And this is really why asking yourself, what am I making their behavior mean about me, really is the most important question. Because I can guarantee that on some level, you're making them not texting, them withdrawing, them being quiet, mean something about you. If you weren't, and you were just like, oh, this is just how my partner's brain works. Sometimes they don't want to talk. It's nothing to do with me at all. Everything's totally fine. You wouldn't feel so terrible. (laughs) But your brain believes it does mean something about you and therefore to feel better, they need to reply so that you can again feel good enough and lovable. So that you can get that relief of, phew, I'm okay, I'm worthy and I'm safe. So challenge your thoughts around what you make their behavior mean about you. Ask yourself, why am I making it mean that? Is that really true? How is that not true? What else could be true? What would I love to believe about myself regardless of how they're behaving? And how is that thought already true? And through questioning your thoughts like this, you can start to show your brain some alternative thoughts that you can begin to practice. Thoughts that you can believe and that create a sense of safety, security and calmness. For example, it's possible my partner cannot text me back and I can still believe I'm worthy and valuable. Or I'm open to believing that I'm lovable even when my partner wants time alone. Or I'm open to believing my partner wanting time alone has nothing to do with my lovability. Whatever. You can play around and find thoughts that fit your specific situation and your brain. And so this process of how to manage your brain around this is the same idea for if what's being triggered is a fear of abandonment or being broken up with. First get curious about why that's so scary for your brain. What would it mean if it happened? If your partner did break up with you, what would that mean? If right now you believe that if this person you're dating stops wanting to date you, it means you're not attractive enough or good enough or that you'll never find anyone else, no wonder you struggle to feel secure when they've not replied. Your brain believes your entire worth and value and future happiness is resting on whether they keep responding or not. But... What if your worth and value and future happiness was not attached to whether they wanted you or not? How is that true? How are you worthy and valuable and capable of having an amazing future and great relationship regardless of this individual's choices and actions? So this is what we do in both my group coaching program and my one-on-one coaching. We poke holes in your thinking and then help you find thoughts that do feel believable to you not just pie in the sky affirmations. We need to find thoughts that do create an emotional shift when you think them. And it's so important to separate out how they're behaving 
from anything to do with your worth, value or enoughness. Even if someone's thoughts literally was, I don't like them, so I'm not going to reply, that is still a reflection of their brain. Not of you, not of the person you are or how likable and worthy you are. And my recent episode on lovability really dives into this. So if you've not listened to that, I definitely recommend you go check that out. It's a really good topic to to get your head around. Because once we can stop making other people's behavior mean something about us, it becomes a hell of a lot easier to see if they're a match for what we're looking for in a relationship. So if someone isn't wanting to hang out with you as much as you'd like, or if someone isn't into talking about their feelings, but you'd really love to be with someone who was into doing that, knowing that them being who they are isn't a reflection of you makes walking away actually easier. Because when we believe that them not opening up or wanting to communicate with us in the way we want them to means something bad about us or that we're not good enough, our brains then commit to us staying with them to try to change them in order for us to prove that we are in fact good enough. (laughs) It's like we set up this game or challenge for ourselves. In order to win our worth back, we have to make this person behave differently. But if you knew your worth and your good enoughness was just set at 100%, and that this other human's behavior was just a reflection of their brain, their past memories, their childhood traumas and experiences, their unique wiring. You could just take them for who they are and choose to either love them exactly for who they are and enjoy a relationship with them, or go and find someone who's a better fit for what you're really wanting. Don't try and make people different in order for you to feel more secure in yourself. It is frustrating, tiring, and it doesn't work. Instead, focus on how you can feel secure in yourself regardless of what other people are doing. And that all comes from what you are going to choose to make their behavior mean about you and what you are going to think about you regardless. And then you get to decide if this person is the kind of person you still want to have a relationship with. I also have a free self-esteem building kit that can really help with creating security within ourselves. So I'll drop the link to that in my show notes too. So go and check it out if you haven't already downloaded it. It's a really great resource. Okay, guys, that's all I've got for you today. I hope that was helpful for you. And can I ask you to do a little something for me? Can you go ahead and give this podcast a little rating on whatever platform you're listening from? If you liked it, that is. That is how I can keep reaching more people and spreading the word of this work. And then also maybe go ahead and share it with a friend who you think would really benefit from it. And finally, if you're listening to this and really resonating with the way I talk about relationships and mind management, I think you're going to love my 12-week group coaching program, Master Your Relationship Mind Drama. We dig into all these tools and concepts on a deeper level, and I teach you how to manage your mind and emotional experience in all kinds of relationships and situations without trying to control or micromanage your friends, family, partner, or the future. So if you think that might be for you, it's not going to be launching until the start of September, but you're going to want to go ahead and get yourself on the wait list just to make sure that you don't miss out on any information about it and make sure you don't miss out on the 24-hour discount that is offered as soon as doors open. So again, head to the information section of this episode and I'll drop the link in there so you can get on the wait list and I'll also put the details about the program in a link in there too. And if you have any questions about the program, be sure to come and find me on Instagram at Rebecca or Coaching, or spelled O-R-E, and you can ask me any questions you have there. 
Okay, guys, I hope you have an amazing weekend and I will speak to you all next week. Bye. If you're loving this podcast, you can also hang out with Rebecca on Instagram and TikTok at Rebecca or Coaching. Don't forget to sign up to her email list for exclusive freebies and for more information on her one-to-one and group coaching programs. 